we are live for the 117th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast, sponsored by Six Pack Coverage. Coming to you tonight on Monday, May 16th, Yankees just completed, like within minutes, just completed uh, a 6-2 win over the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, but tonight, we got Andrew on the podcast. I'm joined by G. G, what's going on? It has been a wonderful week of Yankees baseball, so I'm doing pretty good. It certainly has. Uh, our last podcast dropped on the 11th, so just five days ago, probably six, when this gets released. Um, we did record it, though, on Monday night, um, so the Yankees had just won an afternoon game against the Texas Rangers to take three, uh, two out of three Excuse me, in that series, and then, of course, the big two-game set against the the Blue Jays, in which they won both games, highlighted by an Aaron Judge walk-off home run. We'll we'll get into that. They went to Chicago, beat the hell out of the White Sox, and of course, uh, another victory over the Orioles tonight. So the Yankees continue their torrid stretch, still sitting atop the standings, best record in the American League, best record in Major League Baseball. Uh, I believe Tampa Bay lost again tonight, which would mean we're five and a half games up on them for first place in the division. Things are are really good. So we could sit here and just talk about how much fun it is that they're winning. We could talk about each individual game and what happened. I think we're going to take a different pace with this tonight and, and just talk about some stuff that, that we're excited about, some stuff that's still irritating us, but can be improved upon look ahead, uh, maybe get some hot takes out here, but like, gee, what's going on, man? Let's just, let's just vibe here. You know, 26 and nine, they're sitting pretty, uh, the Rays did lose by the way. So that's very nice. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the two-game set last week against the Blue Jays is fun for me, especially just because, you know, the Blue Jays got really puffed up, and obviously they have some really great, like, great young players. But, like, people got, I think, a little bit out over their skis on the Blue Jays, and the Yankees currently have an eight-game lead on them, which is wonderful. And Yeah, but let's you know, talk about the Blue Jays, including, obviously, we've taken five of the last six or I did that four of the last five, excuse me, against them over the last week and a half. Um, but they've lost seven of the last 10 games. Like they were right there with us for a little bit. And I'm not going to say that they're out of it. Like with that offense and that pitching staff, they could win 12 out of 15 and shoot right back up in an eye blink. Right. But yeah, they're definitely not where they want to be right now, but sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue what you were saying. I think people just got a little bit ahead of themselves. Like the, the blue Jays have incredibly young players. Um, but they have to go out there and really put it together. It's one thing to be like, hey, you have young players. You're going to make a run at the wild card and be a fun upstart team. And that's another thing to have, like, that expectation to be like, hey, people were predicting the Blue Jays to win the division and make a run in the playoffs and that sort of stuff of expectations this year. And it's hard to do that. And especially when you have teams, you know, the Red Sox are clearly not that good. But, like, the Rays are always good. The Yankees are always going to spend the money to try and be good. And, you know, obviously the Yankees changed around their team a lot, changed the complexion, changed the makeup, you know, the profile of their team a lot. And uh, so far, that start has been as good as you possibly could have hoped for. Um, but the Blue Jays just have to be careful now because obviously they could get hot. But, you know, I don't know. The thing that came to my mind was like in 2009 when the Red Sox beat the Yankees for the first like nine games of the year that they played. And then the Yankees won the next nine games, the second half of the year. Like if, you know, as I sit here, what 30 something, almost 40 games in that, you know, the Yankees 
you can't let the Yankees or any team get that far ahead of you this early in the season. You just make yourself give yourself too much ground to make up. But I think given the expectation that we thought the Blue Jays were going to be incredible, I think the Yankees' performance against them thus far has been very, very exciting. Yeah, um, it, it's been incredible, right? For them to take two out of four to start the season, um, two out of three in Toronto, and then come back home and, and take the, the the two in that abbreviated series. They, they've won six out of nine. Uh, it, it, and then, like, like you mentioned, pushed them down eight games in, in the division thus far. It, it really just has been a joy. Like, we remember those games couple years ago where um the covid shortened season where we put up all those runs in those games at home but then we went to buffalo and we got our shit kicked in uh and then last year we didn't really have much of a feel like they, they just knew how to pitch to us right we, we didn't score a lot of runs and then of course you have all the sluggers uh guerrero bichette hernandez guriel they had gritchick uh also pounding us thank god he's gone now but they, they just knew how to beat us last year. And it, for us to take six out of nine to start this year is, is very refreshing. Of course, half the season series against them is already over, which is wild. They're not even 40 games into the year, but it, it's certainly a great place to be, but look, let's talk about that, that Monday night, excuse me, Tuesday night game, the Aaron judge walk-off, I would say arguably the, the best win of the season. Uh, I know they've had four walk-off wins. You had the, the Donaldson single against the Red Sox on opening day you had the glaber double against cleveland the glaber walk off against texas but look it's got to be the aaron judge walk off home run right like is there a bigger moment in the season i if so i can't think of it no i don't think there is a bigger moment in the season and the, the knives are probably out for the man a little bit for the first like a little while of the season right because there's that whole awkward like opening day are they going to extend him is he going to accept it blah blah he you know, the offer got leaked and they're like, oh, how dare he? He got this big offer. How dare he? Obviously, he's playing incredible. Um, <clears throat> and that kind of has gone away. Um, but, you know, people still pointed that out. Like, oh, he's had walk-off hits. He had his first walk-off, um, you know, what he had a walk-off hit last year, you know, at the end of the year. And, um, but he hadn't hit a walk-off home run. So, you know, when you get to a certain stature, a certain, you know, level of being good at something that people are always going to be like, oh, well, he still hasn't done this. Um, in the majority of their games, as the record might indicate, Yankees have been the better team on the field. But in that game against Toronto, I'd say that's probably, you know, and there's a whole bunch of other weird stuff that happened in that game, kind of the definition of stealing one. But good teams find ways to do that. And Aaron Judge hit in that game. Uh, what was pretty much a no-doubter, absolute tank job. He crushed it, and uh, that was an absolutely awesome moment. Yeah, and the fact that they finally got to Jordan Romano, right? Because for the past few years, they haven't really been able to figure out how to how to hit this guy. But he walked Trevino, and, and that was the moment. You're like, oh, this might be the night we can finally get to him, right? Uh, the ball certainly wasn't traveling that that well that night I, I i forget who was specifically maybe stan because it always seems to happen to stan but there was like a number of balls that were hit to the track where you're like how the hell did that not leave um and then judge hit one in the second deck to to walk off um just such an such an awesome win i i think george springer let up that game with a home run so like we were down from the jump um Sevy looked okay of course, he looked awesome tonight against Baltimore, but we were talking about I think Toronto I pointed League. that out, like, in my snap reaction in our group chat. I was like, oh, Sevy, right? He's not pitching well. And he he pitched better as that came went on. I, I'm pretty sure that was pointed out to me. 
Um, yeah, that that's yeah. that was one of the most encouraging things because he looked very bad for the first two or three innings. And you look at his stat line, he almost got through five, four and two thirds. He's talking about eight guys. And I think his last two or three innings, he like really locked it in and gave gave us a chance to to win. Um, I'm going through the I don't remember where all the runs were scored. OK, so the Yankees were down three nothing after two innings and then scored all three runs in the bottom of the sixth. Um, it was a the right the the John Carlos Stanton short porch, three run home run. Um, just the, the vibe in the stadium that night was, was, was crazy. Um, it, it really felt like a playoff game. I think Aaron Boone even said that afterwards and to win the way they did, uh, that was a, an iconic moment. We'll remember like if this team does special things this year. We'll for sure remember that game. Um, but yeah, let, let's jump ahead real quick. You know, they, they obviously took, I the, think we should also the, just point out just before we go, I'm yeah. cutting you off here, but that was the game um, with all the weird, you know, the ejection, right? I believe that was the yeah, game. Yeah, 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 of course. Thank you for um, that. Stanton hits the home run to tie the game, and uh, and the next and batter up, comes up. up and in on Donaldson, and he looked pissed. Oh, they hit him. The next, Josh Donaldson. Yeah, you're right. He, they, you're right. He, he got, he got he in the hit room, him. right? Okay. It looked like it was kind of running fastball. Michael Kay and, and the broadcast would point out, to be like, it's a tie game. Why are you going to hit the next guy in a tie game? You know what? When you hit the next guy with a fastball immediately after a game tying home run or a big moment like that, people are going to get mad about it. And there's reason to get mad about it. So um, Donaldson gets hit, and there's a whole bunch of jawing. And I think the way that the rules are written now is that they have to, you know, I guess when it's a suspicious act or something like that, they have to conference rather than just like the umpire points and tosses the guy out. So there's, you know, jawing and there's all sorts of shenanigans happening on the field. The umpires are conferencing and eventually they threw the pitcher out. Um, and, it was you know, Garcia. And, right, right. I'm with you, but I don't think by any means he was intentionally throwing at Donaldson, but it is a bad look. Um, and, and then, yeah, then the, the, the fireworks went off, right? You had... You had Montoyo come out, and looks like he got tossed, but it was really, I believe, their pitching coach. It was maybe, the pitching who coach. Was, who yeah, the canned. pitching coach got thrown out. And he then, got thrown out immediately, and Montoyo wound up getting thrown out the next inning. Yeah, and then because then Lawizga, uh almost hit someone the following inning, and which of course that wasn't yeah. intentional either. But then the argument is like, well, how are you going to throw one of our guys for an unintentional up and in pitch? Uh, and they did the same thing. And even if theirs say, wasn't intentional either, you gotta you gotta toss them just because. Um, we're being fair here, and I, I get that. It, that was I mean, the game where the it, look, Yumi Garcia actually hit the guy, but I'm just gonna say, you know, call me a homer if you want to or whatever. But like, Loazga's pitch was up and slightly in, but I don't think it was all that close to actually hitting the guy. If you look at the video, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's like, hey, you threw out our guy because you know, because of the way the rules are written or whatever, you threw him out after the conference, like they. The Blue Jays felt that the pitch was close, and that you know, Loazaga should have gotten the same thing. Um, but that all that sort of events, right? The you know, adrenaline and the animosity and that sort of stuff. When that sort sort of stuff starts to get happening, that's when you feel like the playoffs. And you know, big hits, big home runs, you know, closely contested games. It had all that sort of action to it. And judges um, walk off after all that you know, weirdness and animosity was a great capper for that. It did really feel like a playoff game. And I guess now we can kind of put a pin in the Blue Jays um, for a little while before I see them again. But the Yankees did great work against a team that a lot of people thought was going to be 
you know, the favorite in the division or one of the yeah, two, I guess. certainly a team that had their number for the last year or so, right? So that's been huge. I do just want to quickly go through uh, the, the Wednesday afternoon game. Um, it's a game that Gleyber Torres drove in all five runs. Uh, James Tyone pitched really well in this game. Uh, I think he went five and a third, two earned runs. Uh, he's been he's been very quietly good this year. His ERA is under three. Uh, his whip is hanging a little over one. Uh, maybe walked a few too many guys, giving up a, a couple of cheap singles. Uh, but he's not striking out a ton of guys. But that's not really who he is. Right? He's been really good at pitching the contact, and um, I, I want to give him credit because. He had a couple sluggish starts, let's say, early in the year. Not bad, because I think they won the majority of the times he's pitched. Probably the majority of times anyone not named Jordan Montgomery's pitched, but that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, he's been quietly really good this year. I just want to give him uh, a quick shout out. But look, let's quickly get on, into... Uh, just for Tyone, just as a, um, a capper on that, I'm kind of thinking, I guess, maybe that he'll profile similarly to the way he did last year. Obviously, last year's injuries that he was coming off of coming into last year with, you know, the Tommy John and the super long layoff and all that sort of stuff. You know, he was banged up at the end of last year. So I'm figuring that the Yankees are taking it slow and hoping that he'll just peak, you know, in the middle of the year and, and pitch deeper into games and all that stuff. But he has been very effective. So, so kudos. Yeah. And you can't forget that for a month or so stretch, he was their best pitcher. Uh, I think like mid June and July, um, he yes, was like absolutely. really, really good. And, and you felt like every single time he took the mound, the Yankees were going to win the, those games. Uh, so I, again, yeah, if he can have a, a similar trajectory this year where he's already pitching well, if he can hit a zone and sit in that, that zone for two, three months, in the middle of the year, like that's a great anchor at the bottom of your rotation. Um, I, I think you, you could argue that he's, he had to set up playoff rotation. He's probably the fourth guy, maybe. I know technically Nestor was the fifth starter to get a turn in the rotation, but he's one or two right now. Um, he might win the Cy Young for all we know. He, he looks that good. Um, but yeah, so Tyone being a bottom of the rotation guy pitching that well, that's like that just shows you the state of the Yankees pitching staff, which we haven't had in a really long time. And despite the Yankees the pitching staff, which year, leads the league in Team ERA, just for the record. It's, it's so good. And they, they pitched... Um, a three hitter tonight against the Orioles. The only two runs came on two solo home runs um, for Anthony Santander. So like these guys just show up every single game. Um, let's, let's get into the Chicago series though. we don't spend too much time on every game, but I do want to touch upon um, some of like the big moments. Luis Heal got the start on Thursday night. Um, Dylan Cease looked very weird for the White Sox because he had what, 11 strikeouts in four innings. So basically struck out every out, but he also got six runs. Stanton had a pair of home runs. Judge had a home run. Um, probably forgetting something else. They had a, I think they was, they had six runs. Right? And then Moazga um, came in, gave a big three on home run on Moncada, which tied it. And then you're thinking like, oh crap, where are we going to go with this game? I think he's put up a, a seven spot, a touchdown in the top of the eighth, I think. There's a game where Joe Kelly came in and we're thinking like, where the hell is Campbell Graven? where the hell is Liam Hendricks and Tony La Russa, I guess, doesn't use his best arms unless he's leading in a game. Like that's a very super old school managerial strategy and predictably blew up in his face. Joe Kelly is only making the second appearance of the year and walked like four guys. Um, and, and then of course, what the Yankees did to back it up the next night, they put up another 10 spots. Um, Offense certainly slowed down in the, in, in the latter two games, and then I'll, I'll let you get into it and give your thoughts on each of the games and highlight certain things you want to touch upon. But um, 
didn't really do much of anything on Saturday night. You had that tough walk-off loss. Um, they were down 2 nothing. rallied late to tie it in the ninth. Chapman didn't look good at all. Uh, and then Sunday's game was the weirdest game of the year where they had one hit into the ninth inning. Um, they scored three runs in the second inning because Kopech worked four guys and threw a wild pitch. But after that, the Yankees went, I think it was 20 straight. So it was essentially six and two-thirds perfect innings after that. Uh, the Yankees just looked lifeless, but they were holding on a three-run lead. It was very weird. And then Gallo popped a two-run home run in the ninth. The Yankees won 5-1. Um, it's a long spiel for me. I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, so, I mean, I this was, you know, maybe an observation or just a way of putting it. I don't know. I feel like it bears out, uh, you know, the White Sox, again, last year especially, a little bit this year, not maybe not quite as much. Um but a heavily favored team, a lot of good young players and all that kind of stuff, a lot of hype around the team. Um, I don't know. I was just of the opinion that for most of these four games, the they didn't look like they belonged on the same field as the Yankees. And obviously, you know, when you give up 25 runs in two games, it's not going to look great on the box score anyway, slice it. But, like, you know, the Yankees played the one close game um, on, I think that was the Saturday game, and they lost that one by one. You know, there's a whole Chapman thing that we can talk about later where he hasn't been super great. Um, but otherwise, I feel like it was pretty comfortable. And, you know, especially with Cease, right, they jumped on him really early. Um, I don't know, just notable, right? There's some good things. There's a lot of good things. Pitching is great every night for the Yankees, but there's some offensive things that are um, beyond Aaron Judge because he's great every night too. But um, John Carl Stanton is, uh, you know, had a great series. Um, a couple home runs. Um, he's hitting for some average right now, which is pretty cool. Um, Joey Gallo doing some nice things. We can talk more about these guys in depth. I think we're going to do like a who's hot, who's not kind of thing later. But um, you're seeing a lot of names come up very similarly game after game. You know, Stanton is having a you know really good run of games the last couple of weeks. Glaber Torres, we've been talking about him a lot. Joey Gallo had a couple of good weeks. Um, and they had a good turn, mostly, you know, through the rotation. Um, I think we should all say a prayer. Say say whatever you send your good thoughts to for James, or for uh, Jordan Montgomery to get some run support because, God, I feel bad for him. But um, for most of the series, I'd say, for you know, they play one close game, whatever. But I'd say for most of the series, the White Sox didn't look like they belonged on the same field as the Yankees. And when you go into the game, any game, a game, with the better pitching. And the Yankees are going into basically every single game unless they play, you know, who the Dodgers are within, you know, a tenth of a point or something like that or of within ERA. Like, there's a few teams where the Yankees aren't going to have a clear and obvious advantage in pitching. And they're not going to play those games very often. Those teams aren't in their division. They're not, like teams that the Yankees are going to get encounter every day. So all that to say that, um, you know, the, the Yankees blew the White Sox off the field for most of the season. And that's a team that was pretty heavily hyped for the last year or so. No, you, you make a good point about the pitching staff because there's certainly going to be nights. Like, obviously, you're just going to lose games because you can't win 140-plus over the course of the season, uh, despite, like, the 120 120- win pace they're on right now or whatever it is um yeah there's gonna be certain nights right shane bieber justin verlander they randomly lost to dallas keichel on saturday night 
Um, I know he didn't get the win in that game, but he shut us down. Like, it, there's always been random games where a pitcher just owns you or historically he's like a number or you just don't show up one night. Yeah, the Yankees have struggled against Yusei Kikuchi twice in a row uh, on Toronto, so, like, who the hell knows what's going on there. But generally speaking, in a three- or four-game set, the Yankees have the better pitching staff, and that will rise, right? They may not win every game. Um, they may even lose two out of three from time to time, right? But generally speaking, uh, if you need the bullpen, I like the Yankees' bullpen against most others, especially when you have, like, the best reliever in, in baseball right now in Clay Holmes. Um, and certainly the pitching staff has been incredible. You have all four starters with areas under, I think, like, three and a half. Um, and you look at, at like, the, the K rates. Like, Nestor Cortez is, is off the charts. Gary Cole is what he is. Um, yeah, the, the Yankees certainly you feel like they have a chance to win any night they show up to the ballpark. And one thing I will note tonight, because they showed a lot of player reactions when Donaldson and Rizzo went back to back, uh, when Glaber made that awesome diving play in the first thing and then turned into a double play. Uh, the Yankees just look like they're having fun playing baseball again. And, and it's very refreshing. I haven't seen this in a long time. The few players who don't look like they're having fun is, is Aaron Hicks. Um, certainly we, we didn't mention it, but I do want to bring it up now because it's fresh on my mind. When he dogged that ball, in left field, uh, the game that the that judge hit the walk-off home run, but Vlad went uh, scored the go-ahead run because Aaron Hicks was kind of just t- taking a Sunday stroll in the outfield and let him sp- score first or third. Like credit to Guerrero for that his sort of on the thing corner, contributed like, to Sevy giving up some of those early runs. I think. Yeah, yeah, it just it looks like Hicks isn't loving playing baseball, and I and I get he's had a long layoff and he's frustrated because he hasn't seen. A lot of the pitching strategy, he even mentioned as a quote that he said, like, a lot of the pitching strategy has changed. Like, people don't throw as many fastballs anymore. Like, he's he's had um, troubles adjusting, but like he doesn't look like the same in the field. Um, Joey Gallo looks like he's having a lot of fun when he's playing well, but when he's off, he looks like he's all up in his head. Uh, but outside of that, like, eh, these guys look like they're having a ball out there. Sevy is a joy to watch every time he pitches. You always see huge smiles on Rizzo's and Judge's face. John Carl apparently is like a, a clubhouse joker. You don't hear much about it, but it always seems like people are joshing around with him. And I said, Josh, Josh Donaldson, we, when we first got him, we, we kind of thought he was like an agitator. Like, oh, how is he going to rub off in the clubhouse? I, I think he's been an awesome clubhouse addition. His production alone, he's hit three home runs in the last four or five games, um, playing in an awesome third base too, I might add. But I feel like he fits, he simulates to this clubhouse so well. Yeah, I think that was the kind of just like bold, loud, brash, you know, kind of addition. Um, I don't know, maybe like Nick Swisher-esque. I feel like, you know, Donaldson has more of a reputation as just like an asshole, bad boy kind of guy. Swisher was just like this weird, loud, funny guy. But I don't know, maybe a similar vibe there where it's like they needed a guy who was just like incredibly out there and not afraid to speak his mind and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and Yankees have kind of gone through cycles, right, where it's like, you know, they they play music in the clubhouse or, you know, there's Judge walking into Fenway Park with the boombox and all that kind of stuff. Like, and then last year's team really didn't feel like that. And it was just like weird vibe. They weren't that good. They were so not fun to watch. And uh, I mean, the Yankees clearly took note of it, right? They saw fit that they needed major changes to the profile, the roster and that sort of style of baseball that they were playing. And so far it's working gangbusters. Um, but Donaldson, Seems like he's right in the middle of that. And people are going to, you know, I feel like there's always something people want to say about Stanton. Like, obviously he has to perform on the field, but he seems like a guy who's totally content. You know, he might be a fucking 
laugh riot in the clubhouse. We're never going to know about it. We're not going to be privy to that. You know, he has some fun sound bites in the media every now and then, but he seems like a guy who more and more, especially now that, you know, the knives don't come out for him. He, he hasn't been hurt in a little while. Knock on wood for that. Um, but yeah, all these little things are starting to work and, um, you know, the the concoction of it all this year so far is is pretty is pretty great and and very promising. And you know what I love about this team is that, yeah, I've been super vocal and super critical for an extended period of time. Um, obviously Gallo and Hex, but certainly Kyle Higashioka as well. Um, but generally speaking, the Yankees have eleven or twelve guys that you can rotate in and out that you feel comfortable with, right? Like Judge didn't play tonight and they scored six runs. Jose Trevino hit a three on home run first Yankees catcher to hit a home run this year. Like just, it feels like whoever they throw out there, like they're resting guys, which there was a big uprising on Twitter about like, Oh, you got to let these guys play every day. They don't get into a rhythm. It's like, if you play five out of seven games a week, you're going to be in a rhythm. Like it's fine. If you're sitting three or four games a week, then I get it. But every guy's sitting one, maybe two, depending on how the rotation comes up uh, games per week. Right. So Gallo could certainly probably use a few extra bats because he's struggling. He needs to lock in. Hicks just hasn't had enough seasoning over the past few years because of injuries, so he could use extra bats. But if those are your or lesser performing guys, you're not going to start them over a white hot Stanton, <laughs> Judge, Rizzo, LeMahieu, whoever it else may be. Um, Rizzo certainly hasn't been all that hot, but um, he did a home run tonight, so I do want to give him credit for that. Uh, I just love like whoever they play. It just it just feels like whatever you used to make a joke, you in particular that um, Aaron Boone, his 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 batting owners and his starting lineups a couple years ago, it just seemed like he threw a bunch of names in a hat and just pulled them out. Whatever the hat said, that's what he rolled with. It almost feels like he's doing that this year, but you're not mad about it because it's working. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. And I mean, I did feel like that. Obviously, if you had that sort of approach, given the right circumstances, it could work. Um, in the context of like 2009, the Yankees rolled out the same lineup like every single day. And, um, but the Yankees, you know, they do it differently now, right? The people can be rotating. Um, but I also feel like, you know, it's good. The Yankees have the same core of like, I don't know, six or seven players. So they're going to be in the lineup, right? Like, you know, Judge and Stanton, Gallo's going to be in there most nights, Rizzo, Glaber, God, I don't know, IKF, you know, Donaldson, you know, the catcher is going to be one of two people. Like it, it's very, very you know, we have a comfortable idea of who's going to be in there most days. Um, and I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I don't really mind it that much. Only thing that I, I guess, maybe would jump up and down on at this point, and I feel like we're kind of trending in that way, it's like DJ LeMay, who's going to be in the lineup most days, you know, five out of seven or, you know, whatever, he's going to be in the lineup. I don't care what position he's playing. I don't care what day of the week it is. When DJ LeMay, who's in the lineup, he needs to be leading off. I don't want to experiment with this Aaron Hicks nonsense anymore. You know, Josh Donaldson, we liked the idea of it. Didn't really work out. He's finding his way in the middle of the lineup. I'm like, I don't really care about all that. When DJ's in the lineup, he bat lead off. That's all I care about. And everything else, it's working. It's shaking out. People are finding their spots in the lineup. You know, you're going to have Judge, you know, second or third, and Stanton's going to be third or fourth and that sort of stuff. Rizzo's going to be up there in the top four or like, after that, it's all kind of working out. Aaron, Aaron Boone seems a lot more comfortable making these decisions now, which is what you can hope for. And what you specifically in your 10 things piece to lead off the season 
had pointed out that Aaron Boone needs to, I guess, get better or be better or be obviously improved in his management. Yeah, no, you're certainly right though with with Aaron Boone. Um, there there are still some moments here and there like leaving a reliever in one batter too long to start an inning, only to pull him when he let the leadoff guy on, like he let Chapman die on the cross on Saturday when it was clear he didn't have it and they lost that game. But generally speaking, he's made mo- he's really made the right moves this year. And, and I'm really, really glad with just the growth of him as a manager. Um, you mentioned the Aaron Hicks leadoff experiment. I, I think that's kind of dead in the water. He's batted ninth in what, three of the last five games. Uh, so that seems to be his spot. And until he proves that he can be more than just a guy who gets there and draws a lot of walks, and like to his credit, like walks are good. Um, he had a walk with the bases loaded on Sunday that drove in a run. Like that's awesome. But if he's not doing anything impactful at the bat, you can't be getting, you can't be hitting in the top of the lineup where you're getting statistically more at bats than other guys, right? <laughs> like a guy like Rizzo. And it's also not and, fair to him to have that expectation like it's a lot it's a lot less pressure of a spot in the lineup to have him bat ninth yeah and look batting ninth we, we talked about it for Gardner for like a decade like there's nothing wrong with batting ninth like it's almost like a second leadoff man right because like if, if Hicks is going to come up behind Trevino Higashioka IKF whoever right like generally speaking those guys are probably gonna make the last out of the previous inning or maybe he can wrap it around and, and make sure that it gets to the top of the order for the following inning. But, but if he draws a walk ahead of LeMahieu, if LeMahieu's going to be an on-base guy, now you put two guys on base in front of Judge and Rizzo and Stanton. Like, and that's where you want to be. Um, so I, I don't hate him batting at the bottom of the order. Um, that that the, the power stroke is, is long gone, and maybe that's the, the injury. I know he had the, the torn sheath in his wrist. He had Tommy John the year before that. Like, it's been a slog for him. I get it. But um, I think the Aaron Hicks experiment – is pretty much done. And when I say that, I mean like figuring out where he is. Like, I think at this point we know what value is and you just got to play to that role, um, which is fine. Just him playing four or five days a week, him batting at the bottom of the order. Um, he could play center field. That's fine. Maybe start in the corners. Occasionally we'll put judge in center. That's fine. Um, yeah. But look, look, let, let's get into the, the who's not, who's not moments um, uh, section that we, we were talking about pre-show. Uh, I think we could kind of do this collaboratively. I don't think we need to like each have our own individual list because they'll probably align. Um, I will add on that we can do a like one player who's been a pleasant surprise. We can each have our own player for that. We kind of have an idea who that's going to be. But like generally speaking, who who who's who who are the hot players, right? Like obviously you mentioned Stan sit ton of home runs uh, in Chicago. He had another RBI double tonight. You have. Clay Holmes has been incredible out of the bullpen. I'll let you name some names. Uh, yeah, so Stanton is the big one, or I guess, you know, the one that I care about a lot because he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, for the last 15 games, batting 330 and has seven home runs. Obviously, we know what it's like when he gets hot. He's incredibly white hot and can carry a team for weeks at a time. You know, he's just a super fun player to watch. Um, and that's pretty cool. Um, I'll give a, and we jumped up and down on this guy for all the first, you know, first portion of the season. Joey Gallows had himself a nice little stretch, which is, which is good. You know, he's still batting 215, but he's had a couple of home runs, you know, showing a little bit of life. Tonight. I do have yeah, to. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's going to happen with him. 
yeah, that'll happen. It's all right, you know, for the most part. But you're showing a little bit of life. So I'd say maybe not hot, but like, I don't know, warm, preheating even. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, when you you, you, you bash the guy, right? We you know, There's no shortage of opportunities to do that. You got to give the man his due when he when he does some nice stuff. So tip of the cap to Joey Gallo. Um, and I'll say hot, warm-ish for Garrett Cole. Um, because most of his last, you know, few starts, his innings have been really a lot better. He's had a lot of strikeouts. He gave up three runs against the White Sox last time out, but like whatever, that was on a home run. And otherwise, you know, he's starting to look more like Garrett Cole that we were hoping that he would. So it's pretty cool for him. Yeah, Garrett has been exactly as we need him. Uh, he had a couple of shaky starts early in the year, but every time he takes the mound, you're like, oh, that's it. we're going to win this game, right? And that's how you should feel when an ace is on the mound. So um, definitely do want to give him his, his due credit for that. Um, as far as players who are not hot, uh, we don't like to blame Wait a minute, wait a minute, yet. wait a minute. Sorry. Go ahead. You know we can't go any further without pointing out Nestor Cortez. <laughs> the man of the moment, the flavor of the month, the man of the hour, whatever you want to call it. Um, Nestor Cortez. And he, his last two starts, maybe more so than, you know, obviously he's got a one- what is it? 135 ERA on the season. Yeah. Uh, his whole body work is great. Um, against Texas, last time around, he pitched into the eighth inning with no hits, 11 strikeouts. And against the and, White and Sox. We recorded which, that podcast. We were we were like fresh off the game, right? like hours after that game, I think. That was yeah. last Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah, same. exactly. Yeah, so that was that. And then this time out, last time out over the weekend against the White Sox, I uh, pitched eight innings. And only allowed one earned run, uh, seven more strikeouts. So his, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, meteoric rise from obscurity. He was DFA. He was all these various things. Dude was pitching his ass off. He's the best pitcher in the rotation the last couple of times around, which says more about him than it does about anyone else. Dude is just absolutely a lot of fun to watch, and he's pitching his ass off. So good for him. And he's he's as hot as they come. Yeah, Nestor is, is so fun, and, and that's a that's a point. Like, I you're right, we're we're doing like a who's hot, who's not. I don't even consider him, quote unquote, hot right now, because he's just doing what he's done all year. Right? Like, he's not on the upswing. He's at the top of his game since the start of the season, and he hasn't he hasn't dropped off at all. So it, it it's I know it's a matter of perspective there, right? But um, yeah, Nestor's awesome, and there's Nestor there's Cortez, nothing there's nothing hot. bad that I could say about him. Um, obviously that he's embroiled in minor, minor controversy about some old tweets, but like I, that, that'll go away. Um, that, that's, that's not something that, that's worth talking about. Um, yeah. Let, so who's not, um, we've talked a bunch about Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is not hot and yeah. it's maybe not all his fault, but he's not. And it is what it is. He's had a lot of injuries, you know. The, I think people probably wouldn't care as much if he wasn't under contract for the next four years, but, you know, he is. So we're going to talk about him because Yankees are either going to have to find ways to use him for the next four years or get rid of him. So, unfortunately for him, he's just not that guy anymore. He's going to bat ninth, and he's probably going to play more of the corner outfielders, you know, spots as the 
year goes on, the years go on, but he, in terms of, you know, he can't really throw that well anymore. He used to have an absolute hose. He can't really do that anymore. So in terms of, you know, not to jump up and down on the guy, but his recent performance has really been pretty bad. And uh, hopefully he can get to the point where, like, he's more obviously useful on a daily basis, but he's, especially from the bat, you know, he's pretty bad right now. Yeah, like, I'm going through the list of, of all these game performances. I'm really trying to come up with someone who's who's not hot right now or even pitching or playing um, poorly. And like the, I'll like drop the, one the name I'm going to drop. You, and then I'll let you. All right, yeah, you go ahead. No, no, no. Who, who's your guy? I was going to say, I'll drop one and I'll tee it up and then you can do with it what you want. I was going to say Chad Green. Yeah, see, I thought that too. And I went back through his numbers. He had a, a pretty rough stretch dating back to like the. Texas, uh, Texas, the Detroit Tigers series, and then in in Baltimore or against Baltimore after that. But like, hey, I think he's three of his last four appearances, maybe four of his last five, are scoreless. He didn't look great in that Thursday game after the Yankees scored seven runs. You thought like, oh god, is this guy gonna melt down? But I don't think he gave up any runs. Uh, he he definitely made us worry for a little bit. But like, like I don't feel super confident about Chad Green like I used to. But the numbers indicate that he hasn't really been all that bad. Um, a reliever who has struggled the most of anyone over the past week, surprisingly, is Mike King. And, like, he hasn't been bad. He's pitched in three games, right? He went two and two-thirds on Friday night, gave up one run. Um, that's not a big deal. But, obviously, the big stain on on his resume is the, the two-run home run to, to Brad Miller in the one game we lost against Texas. But, like, Mike King was lights out, like, beyond lights out before that. So if that's his bad stretch, the Yankees have nothing to worry about. So it's like, it's hard for me to even say he's not hot because he's just mildly cooling off. Like, he's not bad by any means. So I, I do want to make that <laughs> – get that clear. He's not quite hot. He's just less hot. <laughs> yeah, right. So three, four, five innings his last – three appearances and he has six strikeouts. So like he's still doing his thing. Uh, certainly not seven straight and eight out of nine in one appearance, but um, whatever. Um, um, I'll give you this one. This is, I think a pretty reasonable one. Geraldus um, Chapman. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the only other name, right? Cause he's struggled in his last two appearances, including tonight. Yeah. I mean, Chapman, we know the deal with Chapman, right? He can just go through these like mystifying stretches where he just can't throw strikes at all, or he just throws nothing but sliders or whatever. Like you can't really look at a season ERA or anything like that, you know, because it doesn't really tell a story. His whip is kind of high, it's one point three, but um, for May he just hasn't been effective. And you know, his last seven games he has an ERA of almost four and a half. So, um, hopefully. It's just one of those stretches. Um, yeah, look, with but the Yankees, I feel like before you go, more so than maybe the last couple of years, as they sort of like look to reload the bullpen, Yankees are maybe more equipped this year than to handle a stretch or an extended stretch of Chapman, I don't know, strangeness, but it's not great. It's not what you want to quote a for. Yeah, yeah, met. for sure. Uh, if there's ever a year where like Chapman being bad and you can throw four other horses out there in the ninth inning and be fine. It's this year. Uh, the bullpen depth is there. Um, I was questioning us not being able to get uh, another reliever in spring training. 
and then they went out and they got Miguel Castro like two days before the season started, uh, and he's been an awesome, uh, an awesome addition. Uh, Wandy Peralta hasn't really pitched much, um, which is fine. Uh, not, not that he's bad, but he's just kind of there, but he's been good in his limited usage. Uh, Clark Schmidt's got a couple appearances, look very good. Mike King obviously has had his ascension this year. Uh, and then you got the horses. You got Green, Loaska, uh, and Holmes. Um, yeah, we, with Chapman, his, his thing is always going to be that he just needs to pitch a lot. And that's why even in a five-run game tonight, he hasn't really been himself lately. And Aaron Boone threw him out for the ninth inning. Didn't get to give up a solo home run. But look, if there's ever a time to have him go through his bad stretch, like have it be throw him out in four or five run games constantly. If he gives up a run every single time, his season stats ultimately don't matter uh, as much as they, as his performance when the games matter. Right. So if he's bad now or winning a bunch of games, if he gets dialed in, in, in August and we need him to come in, in a game against Tampa Bay in a three, two game in the ninth inning, and he's lights out, like who cares what his stats are in April and May at that point, as long as he does the job there. So I think that's what the Yankees have to fine tune. He's still learning how to pitch without spider attack. There's no way he wasn't a big beneficiary of it either. Um, so yeah, I mean, Chapman's a guy who's been literally so bad that he completely lost the job and had to pitch in the seventh inning, right? A couple of years ago. So like, you know, he's not phased. Obviously, the spider tech thing is, raises an eyebrow with how much he might have leaned on that or whatever. But, um, you know, at some point, he'll pitch to the back of his baseball card and be better. And until then, we're all just probably going to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of agita until when, when Chapman pitches. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So who's your your one up and comer in the last week or so? Um, a guy who probably could qualify as, as a, on the who's hot list, but someone who you've been, um, you maybe not have had, maybe not expected so much out of, but they've been a nice surprise over the last, let's say 10 days. Uh, and I feel like this person has come up already. I definitely sneaked them from me pre-show, uh, when we decided this, um, Glaber Torres is mine and, you know, people. He's been getting a little bit more press, a little bit more run um, on Yankees circles um, of late. You know, he did have that game a couple of days ago. He had all five RBIs. That's pretty cool. Um, he has five home runs on the season, which is nice. Um, but just in general, he looks better at the plate. You know, we weren't just being like, "Oh, Glaber Torres." Unless he hits 40 home runs, it's going to be totally useless. Um, he's only hitting 243 right now, but um, you know, he's making the rounds. Um, on Twitter, like his exit velocity, you know, off his actual, you know, off his at-bats, right? His exit velocity is higher this year than it was each of the last two. So he seems to be making more solid contact, um, has just more life, more pulse at the plate, looks more locked in. You know, we've seen him hit a home run, right? That Rangers, Chris Woodward shenanigans, he hit a home run the other way, um, which is just nice to see him strike the ball well to any field, but um, just looks like more alive, more, you know, locked in at the plate than he has at any point the last year or so. And um, that's good because Gleyber Torres, as you might hear from time to time, is still just 25 years old. And not doing that again. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. You could be like, oh, look, he's already 25. If you want to say, oh, Gleyber Torres, you can't, can't, jump up and down on the man when when he's playing well. He could be like, oh, he's already 25. When's he going to get locked in? When's he going to find his way in the majors? He's only 25. When's he's playing well? We're bringing it all the way back. So, um, 
let's, you know, just, I don't know, golf claps. Clap it up for Gleyber Torres. I would love to see that average come up, hit a couple more home runs, maybe get some doubles in there. But, like, he's playing really good at second base, which is not to be dismissed considering how horrible he was at shortstop last year. And uh, he seems a little bit more alive at the plate. So that's my guy. And, you know, numbers don't jump quite off the page yet, but they're they're trending in the right direction, and that's important. I think you hit the nail on the head that he looks – very comfortable at second base, and he looked very uncomfortable at shortstop uh, amid his struggles over the last two seasons. Uh, made a great diving play today, heads up, doubled off Trey Mancini, and I, I can't recall a play that he's like brutally booted, and we're like, well, this dude's just an awful fielder. I just like, maybe it was just in his head, right? Like Derek Jeter struggled early in his career at shortstop too, and I'm not implying that Clay Torres can move back to shortstop. I think he's still the the backup shortstop? Well, maybe the backup backup shortstop. I mean, it's funny, not for nothing. This is a digression, but, you know, IKF hasn't looked super great for some stretches of time. Over yeah, and look, look, IKF at this point is, I think he's proven that he is a, is a placeholder guy, right? Like, right now, he's not doing anything super crazy. Nothing's jumping off the pages. He has He's had as much struggles at shortstop as Glaber was having last year. Yeah, so once Peraza's ready, because um, he's the, the guy closer to, to the majors, I think he fills in, and then Volpe's probably a year or two down the road. Um, he's still in, what, single A? Uh, but, yeah, look, IKF hasn't really done anything spectacular. Uh, but, look, you, you're you're right about Glaber in that. Obviously, his, his defenses look good, but he's hitting almost 300 over his last seven games. Uh, I think he'll get in that 270, 280 range when all said and done this year. And like, if he only hits like 18 to 20 home runs, like who cares? I know he hit 39 that one year. I don't expect that from anymore. I just can't have him be a guy who has what last year he hit nine home runs, drove him like 50 and hit 240. Like that's a bad year. Like, as long as he's not that, uh, and he starts hitting the ball with authority again, I think we'll be in, in a good spot because the Yankees don't need to rely on him anymore. Like they have the impact in, in their lineup elsewhere. Uh, so for my guy, uh, I Sorry, just a brief a... correction a note here. Anthony Volpe is in double A, so who knows? If he takes off, I feel like he's going to be there for a while. If he takes off, he could probably get to triple A at some point this year, especially if Peraza comes up, but who knows? Right now, he's in yeah, double A. It would be, be a stretch to see him up in the majors this year. I think next year at the earliest, uh, but like, who the hell knows, right? Um, usually, pitchers can ascend quicker. Uh, I think you want to give Right, it's like, you know, unless he just like goes absolutely level. like white hot like Luis robert was in single a batting like 450 and was in triple a like a few weeks later like unless you know volpe does something like that he's gonna be in double a for a while so i don't think you'll see him like you said for a yeah, year but you know who else had, had a meteoric rise like that was um the the punisher um aristides and now he's out of baseball right so like sometimes it yeah it, that's not good for you um anyway, anyway um your guy. The, the guy that i've been pleasantly surprised with over the last week uh, has been Josh Donaldson because he went through a stretch where he was not looking good. Now, after tonight's game, I think he has like a 21 or 22 game consecutive reach base streak, which is awesome. Like that's the majority of the season, but he did have a rough patch for a while. Uh, you go back the last two weeks or so, the last 15 games, he's hitting 309 with a slugging of over 500. Uh, he has three home runs, 10 RBIs. Strikeouts are, are a little higher than you'd like still, but He's playing an awesome third base. And I remember the Yankees started with Donaldson in the leadoff spot. Uh, I'm glad DJ's back there. Donaldson 
you got to a point where he was like, oh, what are you going to get from him if, he, if he's going to hit fifth or sixth and he's not going to produce? That's a problem in the order. But, like, he's been really good the past few weeks or at least the last week plus. So I'm, I'm fully confident in the middle of the lineup again. Uh, guy brings a lot I of also really love to tip my cap. I appreciate his commitment to pimping every single home run that he has. Everything, everything. He has to stare at it, do like, I don't know, it's not really a bad flip, but he kind of just holds his arm out and drops the bat and stares at it. Um, and he's fun. He's so much fun. Like, he's a guy that, you said it earlier, if he's on any other team, he's a prick. Uh, you hate him as, a, as an opposing fan, but when he's on your team, you just gravitate to him. He's got that, that, that douchey energy that when he plays for your team, you will love. <laughs> Yeah, definitely agree. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we kind of mentioned it earlier. Maybe, you know, you don't know exactly where he fits in the lineup every single day, but if he's going to be hitting and he's hitting a lot better now, showing more of a pulse at the plate, then it doesn't matter. He'll find his spot. And he had an absolutely beautiful diving play with a hose across the the infield. Um, He's always been pretty good. I think, I don't think it was anyone really objected to say like he's a better third baseman then um, Gio Rochella, you know, defensive metrics and all that stuff. You can, you know, talk about that stuff if you want to. I think he is. I think um, he comfortably is better than Gio defensively. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, <clears throat> I don't really care to argue all that stuff. I'm totally, I, th- I think he is, but I'm just saying, you know, people have a soft spot for Gio. Either way. Um, yeah. I mean, Donaldson, he's a lot of fun. He's starting to get more fun, you know, hitting some home runs, hit a, Absolute bomb tonight against the Orioles. That was pretty cool. Um, slightly oppo, slightly right of center field, I think. Um, oh, my, one of my favorite moments of this this past week was that what was it the Thursday game? So it was yeah. So he capped off the seven run inning, and you just hear that fan like, "Hey, Josh, you suck." The next pitch, bomb, hits one like ten rows deep. Uh, that was that was so so rewarding. Um, so satisfying. I love that. Yeah, and I think Giancarlo had a, a similar moment against the White Sox. Where the guy's like, Giancarlo, you're overrated. The next, the next, one of the next few pitches was an absolute just tank job to dead center field. So, And then he did it um, again, his next at bat, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the Yankees, look, Yankees got a sense of humor, or they got rabbit ears or whatever, but... Um, there's a lot of fans with just unfortunate timing out there. Either way, um, yep. Josh Donaldson, fun and good, much like the Yankees. That's fun and good. <laughs> Sounds like an incoming article. Um, all right, yeah, so let's just quickly look ahead to the six games left on the schedule this week. Three more against Baltimore, three more against the White Sox. Um, so... They have Tyone on the Hill tomorrow against Spencer Watkins. I think it's only like a second or third start of the year. Um, Garrett Cole's going up against Jordan Lyles, who always seems to give the Yankees trouble. That's on on Wednesday. And then Thursday, again, a weird 12.35 start time. Second time in a week and a half that they've had a game start that early. That's going to be Montgomery versus Bruce Zimmerman. And like I just it just so happens, of course, that the guy on the Orioles, the Yankees can't hit Bruce Zimmerman or that they've struggled the most with is going to be the guy who opposes Jordan Montgomery, um, who already doesn't get any run support to begin with. Like that game screams three to two, either direction, all over it before it even happens. And like, I feel bad for Montgomery that he's not going to have one of those wild seven, eight inning 
games of support because it just it. Well, what's the stat? He has eight runs of support in seven stats, seven starts this year. Uh yes, I believe so. That's just just so great. It's like an almost unbelievable number. Like if yeah, you tried to make it up that... and all of a sudden ridiculous, you couldn't come up with something like that. Yeah, but... and I'm just looking it up to see. Right, I don't know what the Yankees' runs per game total is, but they're 26 and nine, so it's probably pretty good. Um, almost five runs per game, and for just Jordan Montgomery, they scored a little bit more than one. So. Pouring and they are scoring man. in some instances. They're scoring after he after he leaves, but still, like they, he hasn't had a chance to win more than like maybe one or two starts this year, because uh, he either leaves with the game tied at one one or zero zero, uh, or he leaves trailing just because they didn't score. Um, so even like Saturday, he pitched down two nothing. Uh, they did rally to tie the game, so he wasn't a factor. He didn't get the decision, but. He had no shot at a win in that game. Um, all right, so so that that completes the the Orioles series, and then um, you would assume it's going to be Nestor, Sevy, and probably Tyone in the White Sox series. They obviously haven't announced starters that far out. Uh, the Yankees are in a stretch of 23 games in 22 days, so maybe they'll use a sixth starter again to give guys an extra day. Um, Luis Hill immediately got optioned after he had a, a rough debut on Thursday. Uh, Clark Schmidt is still on the roster, I believe. So if they do throw in a spot starter, it'd probably be him. Also, funny scheduling thing. I don't know. The Yankees are in, I guess, in the middle of a stretch of 14 games, all against the White Sox and the Orioles, which is something. That is pretty weird that they played seven, uh, eight games against them at home, and then they play six games against them. Eight games on the road and six games at home, back-to-back. Um, alternating who plays who that that's is very quirky and then also the that the Yankees have played nine games against the Toronto Blue Jays and none against the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> yeah and um that'll be fun when Yankees get to that part of the schedule that'll be cool Yankees have five and a half game lead on the on the on the Rays right now so um and you know we said earlier they lost today the Rays did so hopefully the league keeps doing Yankees a favor that way they have themselves a little bit of a cushion once they get to that you know you know whatever it is I don't know if they lowered it this year they're starting to lower it next year but otherwise it's what is it 18 19 games against the the Rays and that will be important yeah so so David Cohn has talked about that a bunch I have to double check the specifics but the way that that structures instead of playing division teams. 18 or 19 times you play them what 14 and then you play every other team in baseball once home and once away so it won't be like you know the teams that we grew up watching um and i know it's a little more imbalanced now with 15 teams in the al and 15 teams in the nl but like when it was 14 and 16 you always played one division out of out of out of your league right and you played every team in that division some home some away but like you played the nl west you were playing at least four maybe not five but you're playing at least four of the Dodgers, Rockies, Giants, um, Diamondbacks, and Padres, right? So now you're going to play in every ballpark every year two or three games, and then you're going to host every team in baseball uh, in your home ballpark for for two or three games. So that is kind of neat. You're going to see a little more shortened two-game series, particularly in the division. So if you're going to play seven home, seven away, they're probably going to go 3-2-2 instead of 4-3. and I 
can't imagine they're only going to want two series. Um, I, maybe it'll be a mix, right? I just feel like for scheduling purposes, it's better to get the Yankees against the Red Sox for a three-game set and then a two-game set and then another two-game set if they're going to play seven times in one ballpark as opposed to four and three. Um, I don't know. But, but that, that's... Honestly, bring on the Red Sox. I know we have to talk about the Rays. Bring on the Red Sox. The Red Sox are not great. Yeah, so... I don't know what's going on with them this year, but I, I, I do have a thought that, and maybe this is just bitter, Andrew, when they're doing really well and we're not, but like I have a couple thoughts about them. I don't think Alex Cora is a particularly good manager. I think he's the beneficiary of his team playing way over their own heads every few years. And like look, last year, there were two wins from the World Series. Uh, this year, they're on pace to lose 100 games. 2018, they won 108 games in the regular season, won the World Series, missed the playoffs uh, in 2019. We're like the worst team in baseball in, in the COVID short in 2020. Or so like, it's very weird how, like as a fan of that team, um, and you and I know it with uh, the New York Giants, right? Like you take those titles and you take the other years in between when you're dog shit uh, rather than being competitive every year and getting nothing to show for it. But it is very weird how like they're really good or really bad. They're, they're never just like a consistent 90 or 85 win team that's kind of there, but never really a threat. Like they're either the best team in the division or at the bottom. Yeah, and that's a pattern that's actually gone on for several years now. So weird. And, uh, you know, I don't think we have the Red Sox coming up too, too soon. But right now it's fun to make little jokes at some at some Red Sox expense. So we have to get those in every now and then. We're not homers. It's just the way it is. And um, as a Yankees fan living in Red Sox territory, I'm just going to say it because Red Sox and Boston sports media, as it is, is not great. So I'm just going to get my shot in here. It's a cheap shot, but I don't care. Red Can you Sox imagine the, the meltdown on the, on the sports talk shows if the Celtics lost game seven uh, yesterday? after the Bruins lost game seven on, on Saturday and both those team seasons came to an end within a 24 hour window. And oh, the yes. Red Sox oh, yes. just been I very much can. I very much can. I feel like that's happened one or two times recently where multiple seasons ended within like a weekend of each other. And you know, it, it was probably, I don't know, maybe something with like the, the Patriots it might have been like the last time the Bruins got eliminated from a playoff series and like Tom Brady signed or Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Like, like, within, yeah. That was its own catastrophic day. traumatizing event for the that's, area. Of, yeah, like, so that's probably something to do with that. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or one team wasn't a, a huge loser dress, whatever it may be. We're not here spending <laughs> a good chunk of our time. I was going to say, Boston yeah, the Red Sox um, digression. Notwithstanding, um, Yankees are going to play a bunch of games. They're going into Boston in July and August and September. So a lot of games to come there. But for the time being, you know, um, Yankees are in a good spot. And they're fun and good. And I'm going to write an article that's titled exactly that. But anyway. Reads like a five-year-old. <laughs> you know what? You gotta keep it uh, keep it simple for the audience here. Keep it light, yeah, yeah. So like the Yankees have six of their their next nine games against the Orioles uh, before we play Tampa Bay for the first time. Like this is the opportunity uh, before the schedule gets really rough uh, going into June, where like they gotta capitalize on their wins. I'm not gonna say the the White Sox are easy wins because 
they're still a really good team. The fact that we had success over them is more a credit to us than it is a detriment to them. But um, the Yankees can ex- extend their lead to maybe six or seven games ahead of that Tampa Bay series. Like then you're in a really good spot. Like obviously you'd still want to win two out of three and stretch it further. But like if something goes off the rails, like you lose two out of three at home, like they're still way in the rearview mirror. Um, you're feeling good. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the Rays have a couple games against the Tigers. They lost tonight, so you never know. They have a weekend series against the Orioles. They have two games against the Marlins. And then they have the Yankees. So, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, Yankees win a few, Rays lose a few. And then you're in that area, like you said, that comfortable um, area where you could lose a series. A four, I, I don't know. You can't lose a four-game series unless you lose three out of four. I don't think the Yankees will do that to the Rays. Uh, four-game set. Okay. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Um, but yeah, obviously, four games hit against the uh, the Rays could swing the, you know, the deficit or the lead hugely in one direction or the other. So um, yeah, let's hope for some luck from the baseball gods. You know, Rays drop a few, Yankees win a few, go into that four-game set against the Rays um, in a good spot and it, with a nice cushion um, against teams that, I don't know, maybe we've been putting them down for the last hour, but I don't know. Like I said, I didn't think the White Sox, um, you know, looked like they belonged on the same field as the Yankees. We know the Orioles are probably not going to be good because their payroll is like $25 million every single year. Um but the Yankees have a really good shot to go into that race series next week with some momentum. So let's all send good vibes up to the universe for that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, I'll stay here getting my cheap shot. I never, ever miss an opportunity to get cheap shots in on the Orioles. I never do. I never or do. Bre- or Brett Gardner. Mm, he's gone now. He's probably <laughs> close to retired. I feel like I've gotten my career's worth of cheap shots in on him. So I'm just going to move on to the Orioles now. That's fair. I, I won't stand in your way on that. Cool. All right. Well, for, for the Bronx Bomber Battle podcast, uh, again, this is, jeez, uh, our 117th episode. That's, it, it's been a, it's been a journey so far, but we still got a long ways to go. Um, you know, as always, be sure to check out um, Six Pack Coverage. Super excited to be working with them this year. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Cheers.